Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's Daily Podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. All right, everybody, we'll uh, go ahead and get started good afternoon happy friday and uh happy national love your lawyer day according to my marketing team um so uh my name is Stephen brown i'm a partner here at ready and newman pc in houston texas <coughs> we conduct our zoom conference call daily uh we'll go ahead and get started here with a uh, q a go ahead uh take it away shruti yes to run Hey, hi, Steven. This is Srikant. I have uh, posted my question in the Google form. Yeah. So they don't send paper copies anymore. With uh, COVID starting, uh, Department of Labor stopped sending COVID, or excuse me, stopped sending uh, physical physical copies of the PERM. They should be getting it via email instead of the physical copy. Oh, they will get the email for the physical copy? They'll get an email soft copy. They got rid of the physical copy, like with COVID. Oh, really? I don't know that yeah. one. So I'm actually waiting for the hard copy. But my attorney has forwarded me an email saying that uh, just we have certified and we'll be sending a mail, not the email. They said we'll send a mail. Uh, I'm not. No, they don't send the, like I said, they don't send the physical copy anymore. Okay. Uh, it's like a 9089, right? Yeah. Okay, then like doing what I need to do right now, do I need to check with my employer? Because she, like my employer has sent an email to me regarding this one. Like we just, uh, that's stating that it was certified email, but there is no any uh, like uh, soft copy or something like that in that email. Uh, uh, I'm trying to see what one of ours looks like. I don't, um, I mostly work with uh, non immigrant visas. Yeah, so we get a letter and it's, uh, it's got the certified copy uh, via attachment from Department of Labor. It should go to the company and to the attorney. So take a look at that. And, uh, but yeah, there's not going to be a physical copy. Oh, it'll be a physical copy, right? No, it'll be a soft copy in the email. Uh, Shruti, we'll take the next co- uh, next question. Yes. Sanati Das? Yes. Hi. Uh, good afternoon. Um, hey, I posted... I'm doing good. Uh, I posted my question on the Google Sheet as well. Uh, hmm? I'm not sure if I want uh, if you want me to repeat it. Or... Yeah, so um, I'm looking at it. So H1B still pending. You're going to leave the U.S. 
um, and uh, kind of what your your issues are. I mean, if it if there really shouldn't be any, um, you know, get you'll get the approval notice outside the U.S. You'll have to get for visa stamping anyway. But there's no, right. I mean, no real downside here. My only recommendation is you don't travel and then come back in while it's still pending, because then you're going to end up with <clears throat> an I-94 mismatch. But outside right. of that, you know, if you're waiting and it gets approved while you're out, out of the country, just take it for visa stamping and you're good to go. All right. That, that sounds good. Uh, so, like, I don't have to uh, go for the uh, premium processing right away. You're, no, you don't have a 485 pending at all, right? Uh, no. Okay, cool. Then you're good to go. Okay. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely. Uh, hello, Stephen. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I too had posted my, my questions in the, in the Google form. Interesting. <laughs> um, that... Yeah, I mean, it, it seems unfair to me. I mean, it's not that they <laughs> underpay me, but, you know, compared to other people doing yeah, the same and, job. Yeah, technically speaking, when they do the LCA, they should be, you know, you should be getting compensated similar to similarly situated employees. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a little, and it should be an email, uh, Stephen at rnlawgroup.com. I want to talk to you offline about that one. I mean, I want to do some research on that one. Okay. Okay. I mean, I do have that option. Uh, will it, will it be helpful to pull the, all the public through public records, like everyone in the same position, you know, your job title? I mean, you could, and, and then, I mean, you know, may, you know, maybe outside of immigration, you can take it to the, to, to your HR person and be like, well, what, what's going on? Here? You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, if I got to know all of my coworkers' of salaries and they were all getting paid more than me for the same job, I'd yeah. be doing, I'd be going to HR. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, I, you know, shoot me an email. I, I want to see there might be some Department of Labor stuff there I can kind of help you out with. Okay. So uh, what do you need information in the, in the email? Just shoot um, me the, exactly what you just sent here so okay. I can do some digging. Okay. And and what was your email address again? Yeah, it's Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, at rnlawgroup.com. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, hi, Stephen. Uh, I posted my question as well in the Google yeah. form. Do you want to repeat? Yeah. So unfortunately, I mean, if you're hitting your max out or unemployment, there's not a lot you can do here um with it i mean you can apply for a new f1 program but that would be about it that I, you know that i can think of oh, oh so can i do this like i can uh find any employer and then like uh I'll get an offer letter just asking him to give me a remote job until i return back you should be fine yeah if you can do remote training that would be uh that, would, that should be fine so would there be an issue in um, like when I uh, come back to US in the immigration? Um, because I stayed like more than like four or five months out of the United States. Yeah, I, you know, I'll say this. I, I, I'm always a little nervous when people try to re-enter on OPT. Um, you could get some CP, CBP officers who are like, hey, you're coming in to work, not to study. And, you know, they give you a hard time on it. Um, outside of that, 
you know, it, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, so technically I can start an employment, like remote employment with any employer, like get an offer letter and then like uh, come back to US uh, next month, right? Yeah, and remember your DSO, I would talk to your DSO, they're the best, you know, on these, uh, uh, on these, the, these issues. Oh, I spoke to DSO, like even like they're not sure like the immigration, mm -hmm. uh, I accept you to enter uh, later when I'm trying to enter US. So I just want to confirm that. I mean, I, like I said, I would watch your 90 days unemployment. That would be the big thing. I, I've never dealt with OPT outside the US. Um, it might be worth you talking to someone more in detail about this issue. Oh, anyone in uh, like India law firm can help with me on this issue? Yeah, uh, Emily Newman's pretty good with F1. Uh, Rebecca Chen, uh, Janelle Garcia, she's pretty good. Um, any of most of our attorneys could help. Oh, okay, cool. Thank you. Yes. Uh, hey, Stephen. Um, my name is Yash. Uh, so my wife, uh, she's currently on a TN in the uh, United States, and uh, recently her I I one forty has been approved. Uh, but the priority date won't be current for a while now. Mm -hmm. And uh, even I'm a Canadian citizen. And uh, considering this, uh, is it possible to apply for an EAD based on the I-140 approval? No, there's not a TN spouse work um, work authorization. I do have a but TD. I, mean, I know the TD doesn't allow for uh, work authorization. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like the H4 EAD where now that you have the I-140, right? Um, it doesn't work that way. I mean, if if you qualify, you could look for a TN job yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking into it right now. Um, uh, regarding that, I currently work for an organization which also has presence in, presence in the U.S. Uh, mm -hmm. If they issue a letter uh, which confirms to the TN requirements, uh, would it be an issue if I cross into the U.S. with that letter because um, I already have an I-140 approval? So, yeah, your issue there, obviously, is the, the, the dual intent. Um, I can tell you we don't typically see a lot of concerns with it, you know, especially for folks that are born in India because your priority date's way off. Um, you know, I would just explain to the officer, this is for a future. I would be coming back to my home country to constantly process my green card. But right now I'm coming in just to do my TN. That's it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Um, hi, Steven. I have posted my question over there. My HMB transfer is still pending. So it's been 200 days and it was sent to Texas Service Center. Um, no RFP till date, and have already started working on receipt number with a new employer, and they're paying me. So, can I travel to India while my transfer is still impending? Yeah, I think I think you could. Um, you know, similar to the person earlier with the extension question. I mean, I would just wait until it's approved to re-enter the U.S. Um, that way you're not dealing with uh, I-94 mismatches. And you being a transfer, it's a little bit different, too, because it's not approved. But, yeah, I mean, I think you have no issues going back to India, hang out, upgrade it to premium later if it's still pending for some reason, and you're like, hey, I want to come in. Um, but it you should be fine. Yeah, I mean, what is the maximum timeline users can take for the H-1B transfer case? 
Um, there isn't, you know, a maximum anywhere. I You're getting towards the long end of what I've seen in the last six years, seven years, um, you know, 200 yeah. days. Yeah, sometimes they'll go past that 240 days. But it's not, yeah. I mean, y'all may want to consider a service request. It could be just underneath someone's pile somewhere. Because it's just I kind did of, actually. I did actually. Yeah. No and they said, no, yeah. we're not doing anything. It's in process. Yeah. I mean, that, like I said, you always have the option to upgrade to premium, but it's, I'm not going to say there's something wrong. It's just odd, but I don't think it's because of anything with you or your employer just looking at the facts. I think we're talking about yeah. government and companies yeah. here. But I think the 200 days, so do you think it is, isn't it weird, Steven? It is, but it's not. I've seen cases do that before. Okay. I'm not, you okay. know, like I said, I, I don't. Could there be something weird with you or your company? Sure, absolutely. I'm not, you know, I don't have enough facts here, you know, work with USCIS to know that, but I don't think that just it being delayed indicates that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Okay, yeah. So I mean, uh, do you think I can I can um, wait for the maximum timeline? I mean, is it two forty days or two ten days? So two hundred and forty days is how long you can work beyond the expiration of your I ninety four when it's an extension. When it's a transfer, there is no such limit. Yeah. Um, so you should be fine to continue working. Like I said, there's always that option to upgrade the premium. I don't think you should have to. I mean, I think, you know, you shouldn't have to pay the government $2,500 to do something that they should have done a few months ago. But, I mean, that's always there as an option available for you. Yeah. So, um, let us assume I do have the stamping valid till 2025. Uh, do you think the decision is still going to the same if I'm out of country? I mean, the decision is still going to the same, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Well, I mean, you're probably asking for an extension. So if you go for a new visa, you know, your extension probably has until 2026 or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's completely weird. It, it is. It's weird, but not something that I think is horrible. It's just very odd, and I know it's yeah. not something that you like, right? Because you want to be able to be done. Yeah. Okay, so let us imagine if it is approved. Uh, so mm -hmm. I don't need the stamping, right? As I have valid stamping no, no, with the old employer. Yeah, 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 as long as you come back in, you can come back in with your old employer's visa stamp uh, that's valid, and then this I-797, you'll be fine. All right, sir. Yeah, thanks for your help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, hey, Steven. Uh, so uh, my H-1B uh, was approved in the second lottery. Uh, via premium processing uh, and uh, I'm currently in India. They have filed via consular processing uh, and mm -hmm. I've just gotten my H-1B stamp approved. Uh, but it looks like the company which sponsored my H-1B petition is going to renege the offer. Uh, so uh, what are my options and how can I preserve my, you know, H-1B uh, status and slot in the lottery? Yeah, so the good thing is you have that H-1B visa stamp, right? So there's two ways to be counted against the cap. It's getting a change of status approved or getting the H-1B visa stamp. Um, okay. And you've got that visa stamp, so you're counted against the cap. 
Nothing okay. can change that unless, you know, it ends up that your H-1B is revoked due to fraud or misrepresentation. No. Um, you know, if the company just says, you know what, Karthik, we don't like you anymore. Uh, we're not going to hire you. Um, yeah. You're you're fine. You still are counted against the cap. You can go, you know, it sucks. Obviously, you can't come into the U.S. right now and work for them. But you can find another employer that wants to sponsor you. They mm -hmm. do a consular processing petition. Same thing that we just talked about with Vijay. We take that current, you know, stamping your passport and your new employer's I-797 and then you enter the U.S. But you'll be able to do it counted against the cap. Okay. So I have, uh, uh, so uh, uh, if a new company, if I find a new employer who is going to, uh, who's going to, you know, sponsor my H-1B, uh, do I have to go for a visa stamping again? Nope, you're good. Uh, and uh, can they uh, can this new H-1B petition be filed via premium processing as well? Yeah. Uh, and uh, okay, as you said that uh, I currently do hold H-1B status, right? So is there any timeline or deadline before I actually have to find a new employer who is going to sponsor my H-1B? So you're, you're counted against cap. You're not in status because you're not in the U.S. But yeah. I would say not. Technically, there's no deadline. You're counted against the cap, and you're counted yeah. against the cap forever unless, like I said, fraud, misrepresentation, um, mm -hmm. findings on, on your H-1B. You're, you know, theoretically, you could decide it's uh, 2040 and you want to finally come in on H-1B. Um, that that would be fine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to, to keep everything safe, I would maybe do it within the next three years, but there's nothing. I mean, you're counted against the cap. You're good. Okay. I'm good. Okay. Uh, just one last question. Uh, mm -hmm. So if a new company is going to sponsor my H-1B, that will be a new H-1B petition and not a transfer, right? Yeah, it's it's basically the same thing. I just, I don't think you could transfer because you're not in the U.S. Yeah. But I also think if the company marks transfer on the forms, it'll get all approved all, all the same. Okay. I just, you know, I would mark new employment, notify the consulate. And that's the only way to mark it because you're not able to extend or amend your status because you're not in status, you're not in the U.S., but you don't have to go to the consulate. You'll just have to re-enter the U.S. Uh, okay, uh, that sounds good. Thank you so much, Steven. Yeah, absolutely. Aditya? Hey, Steven. Uh, hope you're doing good. My question is yeah. regarding B1B2 extension. This is about my wife's parents. They've been here five months. We got a baby delivered. And my wife oh, is a little bit. Uh, thank you, man. Uh, my wife's a little bit, a uh, uh, little bit in a situation where the doctors need observation for a couple of months, and they need uh, my wife needs her parents' help. Can we extend for this reason because it's a little bit critical because internal. Yeah, I think sometimes so. Are... I mean, just file the I five three nine. You can do it online, um, but I I don't see any reason you couldn't. This seems like a legitimate reason i mean you know the the question that always comes up when you ex the the question i always get concerned about when you extend a b visa is you know intent to return to the home country um but i think in this case if you're ever asked about that one this is going to pen for freaking ever with uscis two it's just show hey my you know yeah. their but what do you suggest a health issue so i think okay. you'd be fine doing it Okay, one more last question on this. So, my uh, will it impact uh, my my wife's brother has a green card, so he might get citizenship next year, so mm -hmm. he can apply their parents. So, does it impact anything for the future because we are extending this? No, you'll you're you're fine. 
we are fine, right? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Like I said, your worst case, your worst case is they deny it saying that, you know, your in-laws have immigrant intent or they don't have intent to depart the home country. Uh, okay. But the, the question is, if the USCIS rejects the I-539, the mm -hmm. counted days will be counted as a, a like, or out of... As long as you apply before the current one expires, it'll no, if only it is after, after the they, deny it. they deny it. They deny it after five months, suppose. Mm -hmm. These five months are considered as uh, no. uh, out of state. No, no, just okay. from the date of the denial. From the date of the denial. Okay, got it. Thank yeah. you. We'll extend the visa. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Hi. Uh, if so I have posted my question on the Google form. Mm -hmm. If you could. So it's a renewed uh, I-797 and I did change my name in the recent uh, renewed password. So if you could please check in. Passport had a blank surname. Of a... I think you're going to be okay. Um, I've started seeing this pop up more and more recently. I don't know if India changed their passports or how they're doing them or not with the, 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 the surname or anything. Uh, but I think you'll be okay um, going for visa stamping. Because when I went to D DMV here, so they said that we can't do anything and because in your past uh, uh, visa, which was student visa, so it had an venue. And if I could go for a stamping, will they be holding me accountable? Like there is a name mismatch in the I-797 form and the latest it passport. It shouldn't. It really shouldn't. Okay. Thank you. Anil? Yeah. Hi, Steven. Hey. Yeah. I have applied for EB3 Unskilled mm -hmm. uh, Employer Based and through a recruitment agency. I have okay. a contract with them. Uh, I'm in the U.S. currently and I got the green card already. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I don't want to continue my job there. So they are threatening me to revoke my green card. So is it possible? Can they revoke it? I don't think they can. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's an option. I haven't dealt with a lot of unskilled, but I don't think there's an option for them to withdraw your green card. I mean, obviously they could try to report it to USCIS, but I don't I think they're just trying to threaten you. Um I don't think they can do that. Uh shoot me an email. Let me, let me talk to a, a friend of mine that does a lot of unskilled. Mm -hmm. And they are that uh, the employer is saying like they they will terminate me. So will it be a problem for me if they terminate no, because when you got your green card, your intent had to be to work for that company at the time you got your green card. There's no mandatory, you've got to work with them for X number of, uh, of time from an immigration perspective. I just worked for them a month, like, you know, for 30 days, but they are saying I have to work for minimum like one year, 12 months. Is it necessary? I don't think so. I think that's their employment contract, which means they could maybe try to enforce it from a uh, employment law side, but I don't think they can do that on an immigration side. So it's it's not possible. They can't revoke my green card, right? Not that I think. I would, I, like I said, I'd be happy to look into it more, but I don't think they can. So can I leave them uh, 
uh, immediately? I would shoot uh, shoot me an email, Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, at rnlawgroup.com. Let me talk to a friend of mine that does a lot of unskilled. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Uh, all right. Next one. Kaveri. Thank you. Uh, hello, Stephen. Uh, my wife hey. is currently on age four. Uh, she's already in school uh, in Arkansas and she plans to go to India for F1. In case mm -hmm. if the F1 visas reject that, uh, mm -hmm. the school has some concerns that, hey, when you're applying for a change of status, your current visa will be canceled and then they will adjudicate and then and then mm -hmm. gets canceled when they're considering your F1. And once your F1 is often is not approved, then she might ask to go through the H4 process again. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Please go, Oh, so I'm, I'm looking at it here. So if the F1 is rejected under the typical ways we see F1s rejected, whether it's, you know, 214B immigrant intent or, hey, we just, you know, you don't really qualify for an F1, it shouldn't impact her getting an H4 visa. Um, the only way it would impact it is if, again, you know, just like anything, there's a misrepresentation or a fraud finding or something that would make her inadmissible. Um, her just getting a denial of an F1 saying, you know, she has immigrant intent or doesn't have enough ties to her home country, um, that, that wouldn't impact her on an H4 now. So, since she already has an H4, even if that F1 is rejected, she can come yeah, back. She should be able to come back. Unless that okay. H4 is revoked by the Department of State, she can come back. Oh, okay, sure. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, hi, uh, Stephen. Uh, yeah. So my question is uh, regarding... Uh, so uh, my current employer uh, filed my H1B extension and it got approved. Uh, so later, like uh, I filed for an H1 transfer to a new employer and uh, that also got approved. Now I'm switching to the new employer for a full-time opportunity, but I would like to work with the current employer as well. So without filing the concurrent, can I work two jobs at a time? No, you have to have the concurrent. Okay. So even though it got filed very recently, I should again switch to concurrent, right? Correct. Okay. Um, yeah, that's my question. Yeah, thank you. Hey, Steven. Yeah, I posted my question on the Google Forms, if you can see it. No, same thing. You, ha you can't work for two H-1B employers. Um, uh, you can't have two H-1B employers um, to without having concurrent um so you can't have an overlap like that not working with it now if there's an overlap in pay i get it um but you can't have an overlap in work yeah thank you yeah yeah hi steven so i posted my question online as well so can we file like with two employers the stem opt when we are on initial opt and moving to stem opt if we are working through two employers can we file the i-983 through both the employers or just one employer will be fine? Uh, yeah, I think you can as long as you get, um, you know, uh, the I-983s and your DSO approves it. So we should file through both the employers? Yeah, you should. I mean, I, there shouldn't be any um, 
problems with it as long as you know they meet all the the f1 requirements that you verified um yeah, yeah. you know 20 okay. hours a week with each employer at least you mm-hmm. know you should be fine and one more question which i have is do they know about each, uh, will they be knowing about each other the if i file the i the 983 i mean they shouldn't i don't know how they would the i765 they're not like a party to it uh, so mm-hmm. it's not like they're going to get an alert on it now got it and in the future if i want to like quit one employer um, i can just quit right because i already have another employer with i98 yeah you should be fine i mean again i always recommend talking to your dsr you've got to get the sign off from them now the only way these two might find out about each other is if you're getting one of them to file for you because the i20 will uh should show both employers but outside of that you should be fine got it uh filing the h1 you mean like um the uh the the stem opt the h1 you shouldn't have an issue other than eventually they're going to see your i20s and see you work for two employers oh got it yeah thanks to Mm-hmm. Like last question here. Rohit. Hi Stephen, this is Rohit here. I hope you are doing good. Yeah, good. What's going on? So, uh yeah, so I'm on H1 right now with a full-time employer and uh, I have uh, initiated my H1 transfer and in the premium process where I received the RFE stating that uh, is a education evaluation is required so my concern is or my query is is the education evaluation is required for all the h1 transfer because i already had an h1 which never required any education evaluation and how serious is that i just wanted to understand that you're not going to they're not going to go back and you know I don't think they're going to go back to your old one. I mean if they were it would be silly. I mean I just had one today or it's not today uh, this last month that was 13 years on H1B. We've used the same evaluation for like the last 6 years and USCIS is like no, we want a new one. This isn't something to be too stressful about. So two ways that you kind of need an evaluation one is only if you have only a foreign degree you have to get an evaluation of the foreign degree to show that it's equivalent to a US degree um that qualifies you for the position um you know USCIS isn't going to be able to uh um uh tell uh what is you know um excuse me what the equivalency is uh, there's evaluation services out there that can Um, if you don't have a related degree, let's say you're doing a software developer job and you're getting a job, uh, you've got a degree in pharmaceuticals, you're going to need like an education plus experience evaluation. Um, but yeah, this is a pretty common RFE. Did you apply through the Texas Service Center by any chance, do you know? and uh, no stephen my my i'm having a quite a good experience of 17 years. My stream is same and the transfer also what I'm looking right now. in the same stream my education is also in the same stream so i was just wondering why this rfe has suited it, up it could just be the officer wanting to um um they they're not seeing what they said like i said i just had one 13 years the guys did on h1b we've used the same evaluation last two or three extensions no issues and now they're like no we want to see 
an updated one. It just happens. These officers don't know what they're doing. They're not, they're not high skilled folks. Um, so I, I just work with it. I don't think it's something to be too, too concerned about. Get a good evaluation though. Um, you know, uh, I always, you know, they, in full disclosure, they always send me cookies at Christmas, but park evaluation is one of my favorite. Um, they do very good evaluations. You know, if you need to do an experience evaluation, get it from a professor. Um, but if you need just a straight education, they're, they're pretty good. I, I've compared them to others, and I think they're one of the better ones out there. Okay. And I should not be concerned about uh, the rejections and anything, right? I, as you said, it's a very common RFE in terms yeah. of... Uh, yeah, as long as you get the documentation, if you have to do an experience evaluation, you need to show that the professor has the ability, the authority to give these types of, to give life skill credits, you know, three years of experience is one year of education. If you go through uh, park evaluations, they will give you that uh, letter because USCIS would deny it saying, you know, you just submitted an evaluation. You don't kind of show how your expert's an expert. Um, but this is, this is pretty common, I, unfortunately. Okay. Sure, Stephen. Thanks a lot. Thanks for taking my time, Cody. Cool. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody. Um, we've got the link in there. If you want to set an appointment with any of our firm's attorneys, you can go to appointments.rnlawgroup.com. Uh, our firm conducts this webinar or the Zoom call daily. We also offer your Facebook and YouTube live every Tuesday at 5 o'clock p.m. Central Time, as well as uh, our attorneys. Uh, we have multiple attorneys available on uh Telegram. Um, if you are interested in that, you can email info at rnlawgroup.com. Uh, we're happy to answer questions there as well. Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.